Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, a Jewish believer in Jesus the Messiah, or as we call him in Hebrew, Yeshua HaMashiach. I serve as the president of Chosen People Ministries. And today I'm here with my friend and colleague, Robert Walter, our Brooklyn branch leader, a faithful servant of the Lord, and we're going to share some of the history of Chosen People Ministries, how we got started and what God is doing through the ministry today. So Bobby, why don't you take a moment and say a big hearty shalom to our friends. Yes, thank you so much, Mitch, and uh, shalom, everyone. Well, today on The Chosen People, this is a very exciting day because this is our first episode. That's right. This is number one, and I hope of many more to come. We're looking forward to it. Yes, God willing, God willing. You know, Bobby, we have a, a long history and a delightful heritage. That's right, Mitch, we really do. But for those who maybe have never heard of us or don't know much about this ministry, would you mind sharing a little bit about what our mission is? Sure, I'd love to. Chosen People Ministries exists to share the knowledge of Yeshua the Messiah with the Jewish people, God's chosen people all over the globe. And we're here to educate and equip believers all over the world to do the same. And that's why we're speaking to you. That's why we're doing this program. The guiding principle for our ministry comes from Rabbi Saul, the Apostle Paul's exhortation to the Roman believers in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And we hope to unpack that over the next number of weeks. Now, Mitch, we just celebrated our 127th year of ministry which is pretty exciting for a variety of reasons. But our founder was a Jewish man named the Rabbi Leopold Cohen. He was from Eastern Hungary, and he was born into a very religious Orthodox Jewish family. And little did he or his family know at the time, but his destiny and his passion to reach Jewish people with the good news of the Messiah would ultimately be interwoven in the future of Jewish people across two continents, and then ultimately around the world. So let me tell you a little bit of the story, Bobby. Jump in if you have additional uh, information. Uh, maybe you know what Leopold Cohn's favorite bagel was. I don't know, but uh, I, we're just. I wish I had that kind of information. Uh, yeah, me but, too. Uh, but actually, before you start, I had one quick question. Yeah, what's uh, that? Maybe if you could set the stage for us, because he was uh, on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, right? And some of our listeners may not be familiar with what the Lower East Side of Manhattan is like oh, now let alone what it was like 127 years ago. So what was Jewish life like on the Lower East Side back then? It was active. Um, it is said that between 1880 and World War I, which would have been Leopold's time period when he emigrated, that over 2 million Jewish people, primarily from Eastern Europe, came to the Lower East Side of Manhattan. America was called the Golden Land. 
because it was the place of opportunity. Leopold Kahn was seeking the Messiah. He was part of a Hasidic, ultra-Hasidic group in Hungary that was very mystical. They read, of course, the Jewish Bible, the Torah. They read the Kabbalah, the Jewish mystical uh, book, and, and the Talmud, of course. And they were really looking for the Messiah. Now, some of you might have Jewish friends that may not believe in a coming Messiah. They might be more secular. But the group Leopold Kohn was part of, wow, they were really waiting for the Messiah. And Leopold Kohn was filled with messianic expectation. And so when he got to Brooklyn, he was actually on his way to his rabbi's home. And he passed what is now a Dutch Reformed Church, a Reformed Church of America. And there was a big sign in front of it that said, Jewish people welcome. <laughs> and of course, there was a church, Jewish people welcome, Leopold Cohn searching for the Messiah. He was captivated by this and stood on the outside of the church. He, he wouldn't go in. He was on the steps and he peered inside of the door of the church and saw this fiery young 21-year-old Jewish man uh, preaching in the Yiddish language, which is combination of old German and, and Hebrew, and he was preaching away, and Rabbi Cohen understood him as clear as day. He was preaching about Jesus, the Messiah. Afterwards, Rabbi Cohen stayed outside. The people kind of left, and this one young man came up, and he was only a couple years older than Leopold, and he said to Leopold, are you interested? And Leopold, well, you know, he was trying to feign uh, innocence. He said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. And he said, listen, let me give you a little gift. And he gave him a copy of the Hebrew New Testament. Leopold Kohn went home and began reading it. And he began discovering some things that he never thought would be possible. That Jesus, who didn't have the best reputation uh, in Eastern Europe, because of the, honestly, because the Jewish people were persecuted uh, by the quote-unquote Christians in Eastern Europe, and so Rabbi Kohn kind of got over that and began reading the Hebrew New Testament, and he became very attracted to Jesus. He, some of the prophecies that pointed to Jesus in the New Testament are some well-known prophecies. Bobby, can you share those with us? Sure, sure. I mean, Isaiah 53 is probably the most uh, uh, prominent passage and prophetic word about uh, describing the Messiah, describing the Messiah as one who's uh, going to be unique, who is going to uh, be innocent and blameless, yet will lay down his life as a sacrifice. I mean, you look at the language in Isaiah 53 and the, the Hebrew that's used, uh, it's very clear. It's sacrificial language. I actually wrote a book, as you probably know, Bobby, on Isaiah 53, because it really is such a clear testimony of the death of the Messiah and actually of the resurrection of the Messiah. Well, Rabbi Cohen uh, read the New Testament, compared it with the Old Testament, and was absolutely compelled to accept Jesus as his Messiah. And so he accepted the Lord. And then, of course, he had a really big problem. Number one, he had to explain it to his community. But more importantly, he had to explain it to his wife, Rose, that he left at home in Hungary with his youngest son. And so, in a sense, he wrote her a Dear Rose letter, and unfortunately, uh, she wrote him a Dear John letter. And so, you believe in Jesus, now get another wife. And so, what eventually happened is that Leopold Kohn 
I was very influenced by this young Jewish preacher who discipled him. He went off to Scotland to study at a seminary, and then Rose joined him there. And after a short while, the family was united in the Messiah. Then Rabbi Cohn traveled back by ship a year later and landed in Brooklyn, which we call the True Holy Land, and established Chosen People Ministries, a ministry that would bring the good news of Jesus the Messiah, both to Jews and Gentiles. Rabbi Cohn's testimony is just filled with lessons that can teach us, teach individuals, especially some of you who are listening who have Jewish friends. It can really help us learn how to share the gospel with Jewish people. Bobby, what are some of the lessons that we learn from Rabbi Cohn's testimony? Yeah, well, first of all, I think uh, the sovereignty of God is really on full display when we when we look at Rabbi Cohn's testimony. And one thing that really stood out to me, especially this time is, as I was listening to you share about it, um, is how the Lord had prepared the way in advance uh, for that moment when Rabbi Cohn walked by that church and, and set foot inside that church and was first uh, introduced to the gospel in his native tongue, in his, you know, what, what missiologists like to call his heart language. Uh, so the Lord had already uh, brought things together through his people, through uh, the believers in New York at that time. You had uh, the Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church who had commissioned uh, and sent this missionary uh, to um, use uh, this other Dutch Reformed church uh, on the Lower East Side as a preaching point where he could proclaim the message to the thousands upon thousands of uh, new Jewish immigrants on the Lower East Side. So uh, the, the pieces were in place. Uh, the sign was in Yiddish. Uh, the, the teaching was in Yiddish. And then on top of that, he had the Bible ready uh, to be distributed to uh, any Jewish seekers that came by. And thank God, Rabbi Cohn walked by uh, at that moment. So yeah, just... I think like if there's anything that we could take away from that as believers today, it's just be ready. Uh, take the necessary steps now. Be ready. Ha have things in place. And uh, like the New Testament says, be prepared in season and out of season uh, to, uh, to be used by the Lord and, and trust God throughout the, uh, the whole thing because he's faithful and he can and will uh, bring those divine appointments across our paths. From humble beginnings in Brooklyn, New York, to serving in 18 countries across the globe, Chosen People Ministries exists to share the knowledge of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, with God's chosen people. Our outreach programs include evangelism and discipleship, messianic centers and congregations, and equipping local churches for Jewish evangelism. If you have a heart to reach the Jewish people in your community with the love of Messiah, connect with us today. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. And then be sure to check out our I Found Shalom videos. You'll find the links to these resources and so much more on our website. And with your help, we'll continue proclaiming the good news through Yeshua the Messiah to Jewish people around the world for years to come. To learn more, go to chosenpeople.com slash radio. Now, Mitch, uh, as you know, I'm not Jewish, but I do have a heart for the Jewish people. And over the years that I've been serving with chosen people, 
I've noticed that it's not exactly the easiest thing in the world for a Jewish person to sort of cross over those boundaries and accept Jesus as the Messiah. And we've heard Rabbi Cohn's testimony, which is clearly amazing. And this commitment, it was not something that he made lightly. He traveled across the globe to find the Messiah. Now, Mitch, I know your story and the similarities with Rabbi Cohn's testimony. So would you mind sharing your story with our listeners? Thanks, Bobby. I really have a lot of uh, affinity and connection with Rabbi Cohen. And uh, I I love being the seventh president of Chosen People Ministries, and he was the first. I was raised in uh, what I would call a secular, modern, orthodox Jewish family. In other words, everything I knew about Judaism was modern orthodox. We believed the Bible was the word of God. We We believed in a personal Messiah. Uh, We were supposed to go to synagogue Friday and Saturday. We were supposed to eat kosher. Now, whether or not my family did all of these things is a whole different story. I lived in a Jewish world. I was born in Brooklyn, raised in the borough of Queens in New York City. Everybody I knew was Jewish. Most of the marriages were between Jewish people. And so I grew up in a Jewish home where I was not only Jewish religiously, and this is what most people need to understand, I was Jewish in every way, culturally, historically, by way of community and my values. And uh, so everything about me was was Jewish. I was bar mitzvahed at the age of 13. That's when a young Jewish boy becomes a man. And uh, I read from the prophets. And of course, my voice was a beautiful soprano at the time, you know. And I didn't really leave Judaism I actually loved being Jewish. I didn't really know much anything else, but I loved being Jewish. But as time went by, I became a child of the 60s, just like so many others. And I began doing drugs and selling drugs in my later teenage years. And my parents didn't deserve me. They were wonderful people. But I went out to California and settled in Northern California, in Sausalito, California. And along with some other Jewish friends, we actually built a houseboat floated on Sausalito Bay. And I retired at the age of 18, Bobby, because I didn't have to work anymore because we didn't have any rent. We also borrowed electricity. We borrowed plumbing. And we really viewed ourselves as modern-day pirates. (laughs) (laughs) Then I was involved with uh, a very bad drug deal. And I almost got killed by about uh, 10 guys who rushed onto our houseboat on two rowboats And I heard them slam into the dock and they came brandishing shotguns and pistols and waving them in our faces saying, where are the drugs? Where are the drugs? They tied my hands behind my back and threw a blanket over my head and just pushed it aside enough so that the edge of a a sawed-off shotgun was pressed against my neck. And one guy was yelling, blow his head off, blow his head off. And my other friends were all Uh, tied up as well. And my young 18 years, all like a movie, went right before my eyes. And all I could think of at this incredible moment of desperation was, I can't believe I'm doing this for $500. (laughs) That's what came across. I mean, talk about hopeless. Just so you know, they didn't kill me. (laughs) And so we escaped from that situation. And uh, eventually, one of my other friends, a young woman, Jewish girl from New York City, who was living uh, with us at the time, uh, she was picked up hitchhiking by some 
on fire, two-week-old, born-again, Gentile ex-biker Christians. Don't make me repeat that. And so they were on their way to southern Oregon to some Christian commune, they called it. I, I had no idea what that was. It sounded very weird to me. But on her way there, they shared the gospel with her. She became a believer in Jesus in the car, moved in with these people, and then some months later came down to tell me about Jesus, along with my best friend, Ephraim Goldstein. Wow. Now, Mitch, about what year? What year has this taken place? Oh, you really want me to date myself, Bobby? This was, uh, this was 1970. 1970. Were you born yet? or No, I wasn't. No, okay. <laughs> anyway, so these were the raging Wild West 1970s, and I literally was living in the Wild West. I walked into this commune for the first time and met all these Christians, and unbelievably, they were the nicest, loveliest people I've ever met. And they didn't ask anything from me. They just loved me and they seemed to read the Bible a lot during the day and gave me a Bible, and I began reading the Bible. Of course, I wouldn't read the new part. That wasn't mine. I read the old part, which was mine. And I began really seeking God. Went back down uh, to Northern California, to San Francisco at that time, working in, uh, at, a, at a campground in Northern California in a youth program. And I prayed. I mean, I never really prayed like this before. I usually used a prayer book in Hebrew. But I prayed, God, if you're really there, show me. And lo and behold, that night, I took one of my kids. I was kind of a glorified camp counselor. But I took my kid, one of my kids to the only phone booth in the campground. And there on the ledge about midnight, glowing in the moonlight, was a copy of a, of a book, kind of funny looking book. I picked it up. I looked at the different chapters Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What kind of weird chapters are these? I thought to myself. And I looked finally in the front, and it said, Modern English Version of the New Testament. So, Bobby, I, I was seeking. I asked God to show me the truth, how I was supposed to get to him, found a New Testament glowing in the moonlight in the middle of the Redwood Forest. I mean, I don't know what you would do, but I'll tell you what I did. I stole the New Testament. <laughs> And I began reading it and absolutely fell in love with Jesus and became convinced of two things. Number one, he was definitely the Messiah. And number two, absolutely, he was God in the flesh. Did you ever hear of a Jewish person coming to those two conclusions almost overnight, Bobby? It does not happen all the time, no. No, it was, it was so clear to me. In fact, I, I, I said to myself, if I don't believe in Jesus as my Messiah, then I'll never be able to believe in anything in my, in my entire life. And so I accepted Jesus as my Messiah, told my friends the good news, and uh, slowly began meeting uh, other Christians and even met some Jewish believers in Jesus. And uh, God began transforming my life. The, all the old things uh, gave way to the new, 2 Corinthians 5.17. I was absolutely a new creation. I knew it. I loved it, and I love the Lord, and haven't looked back since. This is the book of the generation of Yeshua the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Those words from the Gospel of Matthew spoke to Rabbi Leopold Cohn's soul, but they also troubled him. Believing that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah, he wondered how he could join a community of people so hostile to those of his own flesh and blood. 
the answer came to him from the book of Malachi, and he realized he could not keep this news to himself. To learn more about Rabbi Leopold Cohn's story and Chosen People Ministries, let me invite you to request a copy of the book to an ancient people. We'll send it to you when you connect with us online at chosenpeople.com offer. Once again, that's chosenpeople.com offer. Welcome back. You are listening to The Chosen People. Now, Mitch, sometimes it seems as though there's a great chasm between the Jewish people and the Gentile world. But through Jesus, we find hope. And you know the one thing that has encouraged me is Paul's writings in Romans 9, 10, and 11, where he talks about redemption, salvation, covenant membership for Gentiles, and how to enter in to the new covenant with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Believers need to understand that it's a privilege. And I think one of the primary reasons that we've been given that privilege is so that we can provoke the Jewish people to jealousy to return to God because of what we have because of our relationship with the God of Israel through the Messiah, Jesus. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for two on-fire Gentile ex-biker Christians who shared the gospel bravely and courageously with a young Jewish woman who shared the gospel with me. Sometimes, to be honest, Jewish believers really feel torn between the Jewish community and the Christian community. Sometimes it's really not easy being Jewish, as Tevye said, Fiddler on the Roof. But I would add, it's really not easy being Jewish and believing in Jesus. Sometimes you're caught between two worlds. And one of the ways to really help Jewish believers in Jesus grow in their faith and have a testimony to their families and friends is for Christians to just encourage us, encourage us to remain Jewish, to be part of the Jewish community, We mean no disloyalty to Jesus or to our brothers and sisters in the Messiah. We thoroughly and totally identify with our fellow believers. There's Hinei Matovu Manayim Shevetachim Gam Yachad. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's what Paul understood before he probably ever wrote Ephesians 2 and chapter 3, where we talk about the unity of Jews and Gentiles in the Messiah. But if our brothers and sisters understand that sometimes it's not easy being Jewish and believing in Jesus, um, then that could be a real avenue of support for Jewish believers, for Messianic Jews. And God is going to use Jews and Gentiles, me and you, Bobby, together in sharing the gospel with Jewish people. And we are a testimony as Jewish believers that you can be Jewish and believe in Jesus. To learn more about The Chosen People and how you can help share the love of Messiah with the Jewish people in your community, visit Chosen People Ministries at chosenpeople.com radio. Now, Mitch, in the book of Numbers, God asked the descendants of Aaron to pray a special blessing over the people of Israel. And in Luke chapter 24, after his resurrection, we're told that right as Jesus was ascending into heaven, he lifted up his hands and proclaimed a blessing over his disciples. Many scholars think that this was actually the blessing from the book of Numbers, and it says in Luke that after Jesus did this, the disciples returned to Jerusalem with great joy. So Mitch, will you please close today's program with the ironic benediction for us? 
Thanks, Bobby. I'd love to share the Aaronic benediction. This is the blessing that God asked Moses to present to the children of Aaron. Yivarech Adonai v'yishmorecha Ya'er Adonai panavalecha v'yichunecha Yisadonai panavalecha v'yasem lecha Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. The Chosen People is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries.